1: So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Well, you by, And
2: the days, days. Be classic. Glory days, nostalgia, reminiscing about the good times. There is a lot of that going on about 15 minutes away from my home studio in Canton, Ohio at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The entire last week has been a celebration as tomorrow the enshrinement ceremony takes place for the eight inductees of 2022. And today on the program, we have a perfect guest ahead of that big event former NFL quarterback turned budding businessman, Catholic speaker, and theologian elvis gerbach we are going to talk about the real meaning of winning winning for eternity and glory not the worldly definition but the theological understanding of glory and concluding the show today with c.s lewis a reflection on glory which will tie it all together so we started with bruce springsteen then into elvis crescendo into c.s lewis so i think we have a very fun packed First Friday. Thank you for being a part of the show. My name is Brooke Taylor in for Timory today on Trending. This morning at Mass with our family, what a beautiful sermon on the Gospel reading we heard. Jesus tells the disciples they must take up their cross in order to follow Him. And we identify with Christ. When we identify with Christ, we identify with His mission. We play a part in the act that intercedes and atones and redeems. And we think about today the graces of reparation for First Friday. The book of St. Matthew, chapter 16, verse 24 through 28. That was the gospel today. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life?" The story and the life of today's guest offers a parable to today's gospel. So we will look at the real meaning, like I mentioned, of words like glory. What does it mean to be truly rich? There is so much that money cannot buy and the greatest prize of all, salvation. So let's jump in. This was fun today, by the way, because it gave producer Jim an opportunity to put together a mini NFL highlight reel. I mean, he is a producer aficionado, but this was fun to take a walk back into some football glory days when Elvis Gerbach was a household name for nine seasons. And just as a refresher, following a record setting college career at Michigan he was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers in 1993 went on to play nine seasons with the NFL including an AFC West title Pro Bowl appearance Super Bowl championship and let's hear that highlight reel okay Jim let's have it fourth
1: and five from the Pittsburgh 37 Gerback, to Tony Gonzalez breaks Darren Perry's tackle rumbles 30 yards down to the seven Elvis Gerbach says, I play my enemies like a game of chess. And his pawn is Jerry Rice, dancing
3: along the back of the end zone. Then, Elvis, uh, uh, thank you. Thank you very much.
2: <laughs> Welcome to the program, Elvis. Thank you,
4: Brooke. <laughs> yes. That glory days long time ago. <laughs> oh man.
2: Yep. And I, I know that little that little mashup we played there, at least with them with the audio clips, that does not do you justice. I mean, we didn't get to the Rose Bowls, everything with the University of Michigan. There's so many other highlights over nine years. But when you look back, when you hear that song, when you listen to those clips, not a bad career.
4: Yes. I was very, very blessed. Um, I mean, just to come from where I was in in Cleveland, just a, just a hometown kid dreaming about, you know, playing in the NFL and having that opportunity and, and going to Michigan and I played for Bo for two years and then Gary Moeller after that. um, It was just a great opportunity to get drafted by the San Francisco 49ers of all the organizations at that time um, to be able to be around like the Jerry Rices of the world. And, and Steve Young and Joe Montana to learn from those guys and then to play for nine years, uh, play with un- unbelievable players, coaches. Um, it was a blessing. It was a dream come true as a young kid, like I said, to, to kind of fulfill those dreams uh, and to be able to do that. It was just uh, God has blessed me with uh, unbelievable talent and I was able to use it to my fullest ability.
2: And I know you you see that now, you say that now, but I know it took you a while to we talk about glory, to give glory to God, maybe in that respect. I I wanna go back over that because you retired in two thousand one. I wanna talk about what you've been up to, including the call to become a theologian, to get your master's degree, which might be surprising to some, (laughs) might have been surprising to you yourself. But I wanna rewind. (laughs) I wanna go back to and look at how you got to where you did your parents came to this country in in 1968 from croatia the former yugoslavia they didn't speak english they didn't have wealth or means at the time i i've heard you say your dad worked a lot he worked a few jobs but you say that you were rich in faith you, they had an old school faith so did you grow up catholic
4: yes grew up uh yes roman catholic staunch every sunday it was in the house it was um, I think for my parents coming from Europe, it was more of um, showing their love and their faith um, than really teaching it. They had a hard time verbalizing what the faith meant to them. Um, so every day, my father was the example of going out. You know, I just remember growing up, my, my dad would leave at you know, five, six o'clock in the morning, wouldn't get home until like nine o'clock at night. Um, He was a construction worker, carpenter by trade. Um, The work ethic really kind of just rubbed off on me. And that was really kind of something that propelled me into athletics. Um, I remember in the summertime um, when school was out, it was probably harder at home because I was working with my dad. I would get up early in the morning and go and work construction and build homes with him. Um, My brother and I did that together. And it was almost to the point where, you know, I wanted to go to camps and things like that. So I wasn't working with my dad doing those things. So, but, you know, he really instilled in me by his example of what um, hard work was, but also the virtues, you know, um, mm-hmm. he was just, you know, I, I, I'm so blessed now that I, I can kind of see the perspective of, you know, when I was growing up as a young, uh, young kid and then going away for a long time. And then now I live back in the Cleveland area and my dad is five minutes from my house. So I get to mm-hmm. spend a lot of time with him. And on Sundays, we like this Sunday coming up, um, we get to go to my mom's house after church, we get to go there and have, you know, lunch and dinner. And it really kind of, it's like that old school. That's what we do on the Lord's day is you go to to mass and then we go to somebody's house and you sit down and we've tried, we've kept that tradition within, you know, my family with my kids and we, we could sit and have lunch, which I said kind of turns into dinner because we're sitting there for hours and we would just do that. And it's, it's a great example. Is that you know my kids who live in Chicago now? All three of them, they get together on Sunday, and it's pasta Sunday. They spend time together. They mm-hmm. somebody cooks, and then somebody goes to the house. It's so it's for me growing up, going back. It's it was more of them showing their faith um, physically than trying to maybe explain it. Uh, for me, it took a long time for me to kind of get to where I am. We of kind of talking about going back to the seminary, getting my master's in theology, um, being able to go out and speak the faith. That's a whole nother a- a- avenue that I've kind of learned over the years. I, I do have a platform, um, which I take advantage of. A lot of people want to talk about the football career and things like that. And then I kind of turn it and say, okay, this is where I am now, and this is what's what I'm really kind of trying to convey that message to that person.
2: I wanna make sure to get the number in case anyone has a question. one 914 9149 that's the studio line here. Former NFL quarterback Elvis Gerbach is here. Elvis is in the building at least for the next hour. So if you have a question, (laughs) make sure this is the time. Give us a call. You talked about your dad's work ethic, Elvis. I know they sent you, your parents, to a Catholic school. So I'm thinking that must have been a sacrifice for them. You played high school football in Cleveland, Ohio, along with Desmond Howard. And that's how you started. You played with the greats, Rose Bowls, Pro Bowls, Super Bowls. Did you always kind of see that would be your your path like going to the nfl did you have a sense then of how blessed you were or i don't, th- I, years, don't <laughs> like, I don't i oh, don't think this is how anybody it is. <laughs>
4: knows <laughs> no yeah. i don't think anybody knows it's um to say that i was going to be destined to go all the way no i never thought that i never thought about um anything past maybe like a month um getting to michigan was a a blessing. I will say this, Desmond Howard was my tailback in high school. I threw maybe 10 times during the game at the most. I mean, you have a, I mean, a Hall of Fame uh, running back at high school that I'm still good friends with, Heisman Trophy winner. Of course, you're going to give him the ball as much as you possibly can. So for me, it was an opportunity to, I had other places. I had Ohio State, a little bit of Notre Dame, Miami. But for me, it was close to home and I was gonna get a great education. And that was kind of like the driving factor because I talked to my cousins about it and they said, go to Michigan. If everything kind of works out and you graduate, you have a degree from Michigan. So that was the driving factor for me. All the other things kind of just fell into place as, as the career went on. And I really took advantage of some opportunities that came on early in my career that got me to, to play Year and, year and year. It was one of those things, like I said, I never thought that I would be in in the NFL. I never even kind of like put that in my mind because I was so focused in on what I was doing at Michigan. Every day, every week, every month was getting ready for, I was either in season or I was getting ready for the season. Like we would, I was very blessed to go to four Rose Bowls um, and one Gator Bowl. And I remember after every bowl game, in january it was january 1st we were done i would take about two weeks off maybe three at the most and then start getting ready for the next season i mean it was that i mean kind of like that was kind of the grind for five years and uh so that that's the work ethic that my dad really kind of instilled me it was it was never a time uh to take off and the the one thing that i've always kind of stressed to my kids and and Bo would say this to us is that you're either getting better or worse every single day. And so think about that. I mean, anything that you're doing, a radio host, um, going back to school, running a business, whatever it is, you try to get up that day. And for me, you know, I do the liturgy of the hours in the morning. That's the first thing I'm up at four o'clock because I want to spend time. With the Lord in the morning, I want to I want to cultivate my relationship with the Lord before anything else that I do, and so I have that kind of like just that work ethic that I, I want my relationship with Christ to continue to grow every single day because that's the ultimate goal for me now. Um, it may not have been there in the past, but the ultimate goal for me is to see Christ face to face. That's that. That's what. That's what life is about. If that's, it is if but really those, thinking about it
2: in those early years and i know we'll get to the the journey of your own spiritual growth i know that you're there now but when you were drafted and in those early years you you had all the glory and i know there were some rough moments too but did you did you stop and think when you were in the the moment of getting drafted okay i'm in with the 49ers all for the glory of God and and the blessing, or were you not quite there yet in your faith? You went to a Catholic school, did you pray? Did your team pray? I know you had religious education, I would presume, but what was your interior life like then?
4: Yeah, I did pray. That was, I think, the one thing that kind of uh, kept me in relationship with Christ. And uh, as learning later on with my spiritual director as I was able to go back and really kind of reflect on those moments that you're talking about, uh, being in the moment of the Rose Bowls and the Super Bowls and the parole life and all that, and understanding that, you know, the Lord was with me the entire time, but maybe at that time I didn't really notice it. I didn't focus in on it because I was so entrenched in what I was doing with my work. Uh, that was the focal point for me was really concentrating on the work so I would get ready for Sunday to perform at a very high level. That's the focus that you have to have. And in the off-season, that's the exact same thing. But like I said, I have a really, really unbelievable spiritual director that we've kind of I've – it's been a number of years now. And he is a, able to kind of really kind of go back. What you're trying to do is to, to really kind of pull out where was Christ at those moments? Um, I didn't realize it at the time, but now as, as an older, um, you know, mature person in faith, I can go back and I can reflect and see how the Lord was really kind of guiding me through certain situations that as a college student had no idea whatsoever. So um, I'm, I'm extremely, extremely blessed to be able to do that. But like I said, my prayer life was still there. And I was very blessed to go to the 49ers because Mr. Debartolo at that time continued to have mass before games at the Mm -hmm. hotels, wherever we stayed. And that's not really the norm in the NFL. And as I continued to go on, when I left the 49ers, I was there from 93 through 97 and I went to Kansas City really kind of completely changed. And then obviously in Baltimore for my one year in Baltimore, there was, there was no thought of it at all. Um, but well, you know i'm really
2: glad that you go, shared go that ahead. because i think and i know that i've heard you talk about this and i hope that we can touch on this uh, after we come back from the break but when you think of working building conquering so to speak uh, it's so easy to get caught up in that and even you had grown up with some formation with a seed of faith with a prayer life and even then you know it's it's so hard at that point of your life to imagine you getting up at four in the morning and the liturgy of the hours. And you hear that from men who are in the midst of raising a family or maybe they don't have, you know, support with outside support coming alongside them and saying, I can't do it all, I don't have time for an interior life or to work on my spiritual life. I want you to respond to that. We're gonna take a break and we'll revisit that when we come back. Elvis Gerbach is with us drafted as an NFL quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, helping the team to win the Super Bowl in 1994. He also played for the Kansas City Chiefs for several years before finishing his NFL career with the Baltimore Ravens in 2001. Do you have a question for Elvis? One triple eight nine one four nine one four nine is the number to call. We will be right back here on Trending. I'm Brooke Taylor.
0: Today's show is sponsored by Colby Academy. With more than forty years of experience in Catholic home education, Colby Academy offers a blend of classical Catholic curriculum and the latest education technology. More info at relevantradio.com slash Colby.
1: So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
2: Elvis Gerbach played quarterback for the University of Michigan in 1993. He was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers, went on to play nine seasons in the NFL. And throughout the span of that football career, he received many accolades, recognition, including AFC West title, Pro Bowl appearance, and a Super Bowl championship. Today, Elvis Gerbach is a Catholic speaker and also aspiring theologian, working on uh, the finishing up his degree there at the seminary. Most importantly, a husband to his high school sweetheart, Lori, his three children. My name is Brooke Taylor. In for Timmery today, you're listening to Trending. And before the break, we were talking a little bit about balancing, especially for men, the faith aspect and the rest of life and how sometimes the priorities can get mixed up. Elvis, I want to ask you about that because I know you speak at men's events all over the country. Maybe just a few words for you. I know that it didn't come until really after you retired, but for the man who's really struggling with getting all of that in, any insights you might be able to offer?
4: Sure. Um, yeah, I I go and I talk around the country all the time for uh, men's events. And this is, I think, the, the biggest focal point. Um, you know, learning from my dad is three things, faith, family, and your work. Okay. Family's always going to be there right? You can always count on them. That's true in the sense, but you have to cultivate that. I mean, uh, John Paul really kind of talks about the attack on the family, right? Um, If that's kind of like second, then it's our responsibility as men, okay, to cultivate that and fight for that. We're in a huge battle right now uh, Mm -hmm. for family, and it's always up to us and Uh, hopefully I remember about a stat that uh, Scott Hahn gave me I'll just tell you now I was down at a talk in Columbus Ohio and he said that take a a family of five mom and dad a couple kids if one of the kids is uh, very active in their faith it's about 10 to 15 percent of the rest of the family will follow if the mother is really active in the faith then about it jumps up to about 25% of the rest of the family. If the husband, the father, is active in his faith, it is close to 90% of the rest of the family is active in their faith. And I tell that to guys all the time. I say, this is up to us. It's always up to us. If we cultivate not only the family, but our faith, then everything kind of falls into place. So here's the thing. The other thing, too, is I give the example of my playing career, and you can kind of get the sense of it already, is that the focal point was where? My work. Mm-hmm. That progression of faith, family, and work gets completely out of whack. And that happens to a lot of us. And I'm I'm at the other spectrum right now that I've got this new business. and. And I've kept it in the proper order, and I've, my, I'm not losing my sanity over it. <laughs> um, but when I was playing, it was all on the focus on my work. My family was always there, my wife, my kids, my, you know, my parents. That was a solid ground for me. But then my faith was kind of left in the dust a little bit. And what I try to do in men's talks is refocus that. Get that corrected order in your faith. I mean, our Lord says, me first before anything else, before husband, wife, mother, child, everything. It's in scripture. He says, I am first. Put me first in everything. Let it be the focal point of what you are, what you do, everything that you think of, and then let it trickle down from there to your family, to your work life. I mean, that's... If I can just really kind of just stress that to guys is to refocus that, then life just it just really kind of just clicks into place. And for me, that took a long time. And I get it guys, guys are trying to provide for their families and things like that. I get that. But if you don't have that aspect of faith first, then look what happens to the family. It starts to crumble. Everything in order starts to crumble.
2: It's true. And you don't want to put the heavy on the guys, but that's the reality. And in some senses, it's exciting because you think how the order of God has created this. And for a man who steps up and who is faithful. And as you said, it doesn't mean that he has to be a professional evangelist. But when you look at the example of your dad, the witness of fidelity, of hard work and a life that really is emblematic of the virtues, I think that is very powerful. And as you said, I know daily Mass was a big part of your life change as well, just beginning every day to begin with the sacraments and to go to church every day. And it's hard, again, with schedules, but that True. is something, again, that you are are living. It's an hour. And once you build that in, um, I think that that's powerful as well. We do have Thomas on the phone from La Crosse guessing it might be a Packer fan from La Crosse, Wisconsin. Are you there, Thomas?
3: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, hi. Uh, thanks for allowing me to chat here. Uh, sure, Elvis, you're on with I, Elvis. I uh, just want to commend Elvis on his uh, personal testimony as a celebrity in sports. Uh, I kind of look at people like him and others uh, as a modern-day archetype, like some of us uh, look at the Saints. Uh, We live in a dark and secular world right now, and uh, we've lost uh, uh, the value of looking at the saints and looking at people that were led of God to do great things and accept the humility in in doing what they're doing. Uh, I just really have to commend uh, Elvis and others, sports diggers that I've met in the past, I come out of Southern California, and I've met a few here and there, but uh, to have the boldness and the courage at this stage of life and the life experiences to share. And I want to encourage him and others listening that, you know, sometimes we put too much uh, emphasis on celebrity status, but when they can uh, come forth and share a testimony, they can share the goodness of God in their life, and maybe it'll set the hook in the jaw to uh, wake a of this up
2: Thank you, Thomas. I love the fishing analogy, too, and that is fantastic. God bless you. You must hear that often, Elvis, just the gratitude for using your witness to evangelize as you are. You've been called in your response to that call.
4: Yes, and that's been a long time in, in the process, and Brooke, let me go back to before the break. You kind of said something. There was that seed there And in my talks, I do talk about that. Um, There was something that happened to me, which I was able to reflect with my spiritual director when I was a young kid on Easter Sunday morning, where I was reflecting on the cross, the crucifix that was hanging over my bed um, early in the morning um, before we went to Mass. And I got up early and I was just in my room, closed the door, and I pulled that cross down something came over me that made me very emotional at a young age i realized what christ had done for me this young kid in cleveland ohio he gave himself up for me and it got to the point where i was um talked to my spiritual director about it and i couldn't tell if it was like 20 minutes 30 minutes 40 minutes of just reflecting with christ and going back and thinking about that, that seed was planted within me, knowing I think God had plans for me to, to kind of do this sport life and continue to do that. But then now that seed is kind of bearing fruit right now. And I'm trying to just allow that, that fruit to bear as much as possible in my, my personal life, my family life, my business life, everything that i can do and then just allow god's grace to work through me and it is it going out and just meeting individual people uh, on a weekend and just talking about it um i've got a good friend of mine that i'm sitting in there in his house right now and he has a memorial for his his mother coming up and he asked me to do the memorial and so i want to prepare and do those things i want to be able to you know send that message however god will Give me the graces to do that. Um, going back to school, doing all these things, going to men's conferences, and then running a business with predominantly all women and young, um, you know, young mothers. Uh, I'm in I'm in a position where I'm trying to cultivate, you know, a, a, a kind of like a culture where they're accepted and brought in and nourished, and and maybe not by verbally. But like my dad doing it um, by example
2: there is so much in what you just shared to imagine all that you've accomplished and done and experienced in your life and going back to a moment that you remember a singular moment at the age of 10 <laughs> where you take the crucifix off the wall and you just look at our crucified lord the corpus there uh and meditate and that you remember and then how it's bearing fruit all these years later. That's really powerful, I think, for any parent because you did kind of, I don't wanna say stray, maybe that's not the right word, but have other priorities for many years. And yet that seed was always there and our Lord calling you back. And um, I wanna take Bob because he's on the phone now from Chicago, where your three kids are currently. Elvis, (laughs) we're speaking with former NFL quarterback, Elvis Gerbach. Bob is on the phone. Bob, you had a question about some of the homilies from the pregame masses that Elvis heard
1: yeah here's what I want to ask Elvis first of all thank you so much for doing this this is awesome that you're doing this and I also want to congratulate you because I saw you play and you hit a certain fourth down in one pass and I think you enjoyed the result a lot more than me but I just want to tell you you (laughs) played awesome congrats to you I think you know what I'm talking about uh but um uh, Elvis I had to ask you if you knew um if you remember any of like the pre-game like mass families or any of the pep talks before any big game, anything stick out or any any memorable like thing a coach told you, and like the thing you said about um, about trying to get better every day. Any any uh, any more of those? Yeah. Um,
4: okay, I feel- so yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I will say this. So I was in the room when Backler gave the the team the team the team talk. I was actually in that room when he gave it. It was my freshman year uh, when he gave it. Um, And it's one of those moments that you just kind of know is gonna be something really special. Um, I can name thousands and thousands and thousands of other talks that I've had, um, and homilies and things like that. Um, I've been so blessed to be around great coaches. People don't realize that I was around Bill Walsh for a little bit, and then I had George Seifert, uh, Mike Shanahan was mm-hmm. my offensive coordinator. I had Gary Kubiak was my quarterback coach. Um, I've been around so many great coaches that shaped me in a lot of different ways. Uh, a Bo Shembackler that was very old school, like my dad, but then you had like a Mike Shanahan who was very uh, new age. And was you know gave a lot of guys the the ability to kind of express themselves and and talk about certain things about what they're experiencing during the game, where other coaches would never do that. Um, I gravitate towards someone like that. Like my spiritual director is he's not that old school. Um, he's he's that guy that is sits there and will listen and really kind of want to draw out as much of me as possible uh, when we're talking and and really just getting to the point where i'm kind of reflecting a lot of the um the teachings that i've had through the years and what has formed me correctly and incorrectly so um, i have an ability to be able to kind of go back and really kind of see uh the things that Uh, Have been really good in my life and would have been, um, you know, negative. And what I'm trying to do now is learning through that wisdom is now to bring it to to my family, number one, my friends, and then when I go out and I, I give talks and things like that.
2: It's really interesting as you talk about your spiritual director, and thank you, Bob, thank you for your call, that it's almost like you're watching game tape in your mind as you roll back the memories of your life and the spiritual director almost like a coach in that regard, like a spiritual coach, which is interesting and helping you improve in growth for your interior life. And you just talked about some fantastic high moments, the victories, the, the speeches, but as a football quarterback, you have said many people think they know you or they knew you then. And, and I was really blessed to hear you at an event in which we were both speaking at, and you told a story about your son, Jack, and your wife, Lori, welcoming your first baby this was your Mm -hmm. your oldest son your first boy your i think it was your third season in the nfl and that that wasn't a high moment that was a low moment how the mayor then of san francisco thought it was appropriate to call you a disgrace after a bad game but really without having any idea of what was happening with your family behind the scenes can you tell us what happened then and i think it's important because you know, for football players, they are aware they're going to have some criticism. They have to have some thick skin. Everybody has, you know, a vested interest in the game or the team. But then there comes a point where it crosses the line. And I think you sharing the story is a reminder of the humanity that we need to remember.
4: Yeah. So let me just start. Uh, So my oldest son, Jack, uh, was born with spina bifida occulta, Uh, very different than spina bifida itself, spina bifida when the baby is born there's an actual hole at the base of the spine and actually now the technique is actually they can um they can see it through the sonogram and they can actually i believe do the surgery prior to giving birth uh, don't quote me on that but i think that's correct um so when my son was born he had it was a dimple at the base of his spine and there was kind of like a fat tissue there it was it looked like a like somebody had taken cut a golf ball in half and just placed it at the base of his spine and so what happened was as he was developing and it was only a couple months after that um you know my wife would kind of press on it and you could could kind of tell there was something wrong he was squirming constantly with it and mother's intuition, she just said, you know what? Let's get an MRI. Let's see what's going on here. And sure enough, there was a fat tissue, like, almost like an umbilical cord, running off that little uh, fat spot at the base of his spine and went right up, up into his spinal cord. And if you know anything about the nerves that come off of your spinal cord, they run down into your legs and everything. And those nerves were entangled in that umbilical cord, that fat tissue. And we were in San Francisco at that time. And the number one pediatric neurosurgeon in the world is in San Francisco. Wow. And we were able to we were able to get an appointment with him. He actually told us to come after work. We got there like at seven o'clock in the evening. And he looked at the MRI images and he said, Okay, I've done bazillions and bazillions of surgeries like this. And he kind of described it as taking hair a piece of hair out of gum and if you touch any part of that nerve that nerve will be completely destroyed for the rest of his life hmm. so my son had surgery i think um it was about 11 11 months after he was born and he was in surgery for a good six to seven hours and at that time we were in season we were playing the Dallas Cowboys that uh, weekend at home against Troy and all those guys. And if, if anybody knows about the 49ers and Cowboy rivalry, it's, it's huge. And that was when we were going back and forth in the NFC Championship game uh, every year. And they would beat us at, at Dallas. We would come home and we'd beat them and we'd go into the Super Bowl. And then we had them in the third season back at our place. And sure enough... Uh, Jack had the surgery up in San Francisco and our facility was down in Santa Clara, which is a good 45 minute and California traffic is a good hour, hour and a half just to get from place to place. And George Seifert being the head coach allowed me to really focus in on my son, whatever I had to do. He just said, hey, make sure you make it to practice because Steve Young was hurt at the time and I was going to start I got, oh, I'm sorry. No, Steve was playing and he got hurt, I think, during the game. And I went in and I had not been prepared very well for the game, Okay. obviously, because of the surgery. Right. Went in the game, threw an interception late, and the mayor obviously said what he said. And Lori and I had no idea. We were right after the game. We were in the hospital with Jack and finally went home. And my answering machine was blown up with a thousand different messages from every media outlet that you could ever think of about what willie brown at that time was the mayor of san francisco said about me and i remember my wife she's irish italian so go figure how she responded (laughs) i didn't say anything and the next day when i went into work obviously it was a it was an absolute zoo with the media and i accepted the apology and i had nothing else to say because To tell you the truth, it was really something that as a young couple at that time, Lori and I bonded so strongly that everything else really didn't matter. Our kid was the most important thing in our lives. And it was something that um, I, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's our upbringing or our foundation that, Nothing else mattered. Everything that we did was for our, for our child, um, and the two of us together. It was it was something that just we drew together like quickly. It was just okay. What do we have to do? How do we do it? What's the best way to do it? All that. Nothing else matters. It was it was something that you know that um, that our kids even kind of get the sense now, like mom and dad, like they put their mind to something, they're going to get it done to completely together. Hmm. Um, but it was just, it was one of those things that, um, it didn't matter to me. It didn't matter what the mayor of San Francisco said, because it's, you know, it, it doesn't matter. The, the most important thing was you know, the health of my son and my family. And that and really you, kind of put the perspective. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Brooke. Do you, do you remember what exactly he said? Oh, you called me
4: the disgrace of San Francisco. Okay. And at that time, the, the city was trying, or Mr. Gavartolo was trying to get a new stadium. We were still playing in Candlestick, and he wanted a new stadium in the city. And the mayor said he would never, ever allow tax money to go to anybody who was involved, like Elvis Gerbach as a quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. I was wow. like, okay. <laughs> so, wow. so yeah. Well, put it in
2: perspective, yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it didn't matter. You know, and it seems like a grace that that wasn't something that um, you you were able to stay the course on what you needed to do for your family and your son. And the blessing there is your son is perfectly healthy today by the grace of God. Yeah. Oh,
4: well, let me just give a little promo for him. He is a musician <laughs> in, in, in Chicago. Uh, he's got a band called The Deadlicks. They're on Spotify. They've got a couple albums out there. They're touring. He's, he gets up on stage. He still has, you know, some issues uh, with going to the bathroom and things like that. But he really, he's really focused in on what he's doing, and to get up on stage and perform, that—that's a grace of God that he's able to do that. So I'm, I'm—we're re- really blessed as parents to be able to to go to the concerts and see him do that.
2: Wow. We have to take another break here. Elvis Gerbach is with us, drafted as an NFL quarterback for the 49ers, helping the team win a Super Bowl in 1994, played for nine seasons in the NFL. Now a Catholic speaker, theologian. My name is Brooke Taylor in for Timory. We'll have more with Elvis when we come back. Stay with us.
0: This hour is sponsored by Solidarity HealthShare. Join thousands who choose ethical and affordable health care. Go to catholichealthshare.com.
1: We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
2: Elvis Gerbach played quarterback for the University of Michigan in 1993 he was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers went on to play nine seasons in the NFL that includes an AFC West title Pro Bowl appearance and a Super Bowl championship today he is a Catholic speaker most importantly he is a husband to his high school sweetheart Lori their three children also a Catholic speaker and going to the seminary getting a master's degree in theology so grateful for that elvis we just have a few minutes left i want to ask you we both live in ohio my home studio is about 15 minutes away from the pro football hall of fame where last night the nfl preseason kicked off the raiders the jacksonville jaguars enshrinement week is happening now the induction will be tomorrow and you've been around to see how the league has grown and changed. I'm just wondering with how you have grown and changed and especially in terms of your faith, do you think that you would approach the game the same today as you did when you were first drafted? And has has the growth you've made in your spiritual life caused you to look at the game of football differently?
4: I would do everything completely different. Wow. <laughs> yes, completely different. And I, I say that to the men's conferences. And I, this, this is the best way I can say it. Think about all the accomplishments that you just named. Okay. Wow. Unbelievable. Super Bowl ring, championship, Rose Bowls, Pro Bowls, all that. Imagine if God was first in all of that. How much greater it would have been. That's where I missed out. All that. All those accolades, all that experience, all the experience with the NFL, you know, being with the 49ers, doing all those great things, that's, that's all well and good. But I missed the mark. I completely missed the mark with putting God first. Imagine how much greater it would have been because I did struggle. All those accolades came with a lot of struggle, a lot of emotional uh, depression, anxiety all those things that my family had to go through that it was going through that a lot of people don't see what players go through with the pressure of being to to perform every Sunday and people turn to a lot of different things. And I did that. I did did it for, for nine years and it was very difficult. And I do tell the guys in my talks, I said I was completely lost when I retired, completely lost. And it really took me a lot of time to, to really kind of find myself again, who I truly was before all that happened. Um, and to, to God's grace, I had somebody in my life, my wife, that knew me before all that happened and was there with me the entire time and having three beautiful children. And I spent so much time with the kids when I was done because I wanted to do that because I never really had that time to spend with my dad. And so I, I did that for my children Um, because I thought it was correct and I had to work on myself at the same time, um, to really kind of find my faith again. And I did, and I'm very blessed to have that. And now I'm, I'm able to kind of really kind of form my children in in, in it, but, um, yeah, it's, I would do everything. Completely different. <laughs>
2: and in a sense, you are. It's not football, but I know as we uh, wrap up here, I want you to share with us this endeavor you and your wife has started. I know you believe very strongly in. And it is a way that you're able to model with your faith and integrate your business and put God first. Can you tell us what you're doing now?
4: Yeah, so we just took over a franchise. It's called the Cleaning Authority in Solon, Ohio. Um, we're residential cleaning. I have about 20 employees, 99 of them are single mothers, okay, wow. um, and it's, it's very difficult to see a mother struggle. And it's my wife and myself and my sister-in-law, we run the business. So you can kind of see everything that we're talking about, what we're trying to do for our employees. Yes, do we clean homes? Yes. That's not the end-all, be-all. Do they make good money? Yes, we pay them well. However, I've kind of implemented something that I think a lot of businesses might want to start doing to really kind of focus in on the employee because we have this motto that we think is that our employees bring a value to our business. We have the responsibility as owners to give them value in their work life and their personal life now i push the envelope on you know my faith and things like that and i th- you know i have like in my office i have um i have a painting of the good samaritan and i really re- and just recently one of the gospels in the last couple weeks right and i reflected on that gospel and it's you know um they could, that person has to first come and acknowledge that person. And that's what we're doing as owners. We're acknowledging that person wherever they are in their walk of life is that we're drawing them in so that we can heal them, oil, wine, take them in. That's the other thing that I think in the Good Samaritan, uh, that reflection is that there's a conscious decision that you have to make. We do all this, we approach that person, we can help that person, we can do things for them. But now you lift that person up onto your animal and you bring them into your life. That's what we're trying to do with these single moms is we're bringing them into our family. And that's when we talk about in interviews and things like that, it's my wife and my sister-in-law, we're a family owned business. We are gonna draw you in so you have a place that you feel as if you have a family. You bring your kids here in the work. We wanna know about your personal life. We wanna do all those things. And then what we're gonna do is we're cultivating um, for our employees is we wanna know what their immediate goals are, intermediate goals, and their long-term goals. You know, We have a lot of moms that are struggling financially. So I wanna bring in a financial planner and help them kind of, you know, develop a plan because those kids are going to be going to school here soon. How is a mother of two children, you know, so going to support that kid going to college? How is that possible? You know, working as a cleaner. We've got to figure that out so that we can, can provide for the, those children so they can get educated well. Um, we have a young lady that we've had for about four months now. She was she has two children. Um, her boyfriend left her, and she had nothing. She had no furniture, no place to live, no car, nothing. Lorraine and I have gone out, and we've in our community and gotten furniture, got her a car. She has a place to live. All those we're we're go we're going beyond what in an. An owner does an employer does because yeah. that's that's what we're called to do
2: well you can hear that this is a mission that you have mm-hmm. that you're called and that you're serving and with the hall of fame enshrinement week here there are so many stories of success and glory but again you in this right here and throughout the last hour sharing that the ultimate goal is beyond the end zone it's better than a gold bust in canton it is the pursuit of what we were made for and that is to be a saint that is to get to heaven so we just thank you for sharing your story with us former nfl quarterback elvis gerbach god bless you and thank you for the time today
4: thank you so much it's been great to talk to you i love doing this um, God bless you all and all your endeavors and everything. And, and please, I will be praying for you. Please pray Thank for you. us.
2: And we will, as we enter into the rosary here, we will um, offer up prayers for you and your business and your family. God bless you. I want to just conclude with a very... Brief portion of The Weight of Glory. It was a sermon in 1941 given by C.S. Lewis in Oxford. And he says, The cleft has opened in the pitiless walls of the world, and we are invited to follow our great captain inside. The following him, of course, is the essential point. And he goes on to talk about the truth that there are no ordinary people, no mere mortals among us, and that our neighbor, the glorifier and the glorified. Glory Himself is truly hidden. May we have eyes to see. Glory to you, O Lord, forever. My name is Brooke Taylor, in for Timory. Always a joy to be with you. The Rosary Across America is next with Father Rocky.